What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast, as we so naturally call it, because we're very, very, very clever. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Uh, we got a very special episode talking about some very fun stuff. We're obviously going to be talking a lot about the NFL draft, but we got some other stuff in store for us as well. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. I'm the interim coach of this podcast. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother. That's at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, we're we're doing all right over here. I think the thing is that people won't see at home in their audio version of the podcast is both of us wrangling our dogs right now. <laughs> yes, they are unruly as as usual right now. I tried walking to Azu for a nice little hour walk before the show and hasn't stopped him at all because he's a puppy. Um, <laughs> it's not enough. And as much as we want to be pups of Detroit, uh, we, we do have line stuff to talk about. And we brought a special guest with us to do that. Um, you know him from his years at Sports Illustrated. You know him as a beat writer for the Lions at The Athletic. You may know him from his Prospect to Pros podcast. Chris Burke joins us on the podcast for the first time. Chris, how are you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm excited. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to have you. Very excited to see you. I mean, it, it's it's been a little bit uh, since we've been on the beat together, yeah. um, I, and 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 the world is a little different now. So I'm just want to before we get into everything, I want to check in with you. How are things? I know life as a beat writer in the off season is probably not that much different in terms of work, um, but life has probably been a little different for you lately. Yeah, well, uh, as you can see on the video call here like i'm set up in our guest bedroom because the office is uh the kids are just running wild downstairs by the office so um yeah it's been a little it's an adjustment for everyone i think obviously and uh it's a little little weird to get motivated to write about football every from time to time but you know powering through you guys doing all right I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm, I'm kind of an introvert myself, so it's not that yeah. different, but it, it's, uh, and my family's out of town, so I wouldn't really be able to visit them anyways. But uh, yeah, I think I'm hanging in there. Ryan, you doing okay? I'm a public school teacher, so I'm losing my mind in isolation. <laughs> this is, uh, this has been the most uncertain time of my entire life, but I wouldn't rather be anywhere else other than right here. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. Um, Chris, we're going to get right into it because I know you're kind of working on borrowed time here, having a family and it being Easter Sunday as well. So again, appreciate you jumping on. Um, let's jump into the Lions offseason. Um, I think if anyone were to watch the Lions last year, they'd say, well, this team needs a lot of changes and they got it this offseason. They definitely uh, are going to look a lot different, especially on defense this year. But change doesn't always necessarily mean improvement. How do you view the Lions offseason so far? Have they improved enough to to maybe become a contender this year? 
it, it's been very much, I think, in line with what Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn have tried to do for better or worse. You know, you mm-hmm. still see them putting that imprint on things. So if you trust the <laughs> trust the process, so to speak, then I think it's been a good, a good off season. And if not, then you have right to be concerned. I mean, I think that they're better, certainly defensively, like up the middle. I feel like they're better with Jamie Collins. Deron Harmon's a really good player. I don't know if people realize how good a player he is because he's yeah. been like the number three safety in new England, but he'll, he certainly upgrades that secondary. Um, you know, I think Danny Shelton, I mean, I think they, they got some bodies up front that can help. So I think they're better up the middle defensively, you know, going from Slade to Trufant and a cornerback to be named later on the other side is we'll see. If that works. <laughs> I still think they are missing a couple athletes. Obviously the edge rush still has some problems. Losing Graham Glasgow is going to hurt, even though they don't think it is going to hurt. I mean, I think they're going to feel that. So um, I think that they're closer defensively to being able to do the things that Matt Patricia wants to do. I think offensively, if if Stafford's healthy, that they should be in all right shape. So in theory, I'd say that they're, I think they're better than where they were at this time last year, I guess. Um, And then we sort of see what the next four or five months have in store. Right. And I think one key piece of their offseason um, that I'd love to get your perspective on is Jamie Collins, because I think the projections on what role he'll play in this defense have kind of been all over the place. And maybe that's just because he literally will be all over the place. But where do you see his fit and and how much he changes that linebacker? Room? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably move him around uh, quite a bit. And I think that's sort of the benefit of having a guy like him and plucking those Patriots linebackers that they can move all over. So I think we'll see him rush off the edge a little bit. Um, And I don't think you want him doing that all the time. Cleveland tried to do that and didn't work. So uh, I think he'll, you know, he'll be off ball um, a decent amount. He's a guy that you can cover with. He's a guy that you can use against the run. I would expect him to play as long as he's healthy. I don't know how much he'll come off the field. Like he feels like a hundred percent of defensive snaps type of guy to me. Um, and yeah, I think he gives them more versatility. Obviously they're pretty limited, you know, with what they could do with Jared Davis, uh, and Jelani Tavai, other than run them downhill, uh, whether they're blitzing or covering the run. So this gives you a guy that at least you can go kind of East and West with, they didn't really have that guy other than, you know, if you're counting maybe Christian Jones, uh, last year or so. Uh, I think it's an upgrade again. I think it's an, you know, this is the system. This is what the system's going to be. And uh, so I'm curious to see if that's it, because I, again, I don't think that they're, um, I still think they're not athletic enough at that linebacking group. I still think yeah. they obviously have an issue at the edge. So I, I'm, I don't know that Jamie Collins alone fixes, you know, what was going on with that group last year. Well, speaking of like fixing positional groups too, you said they have improved up front. I've kind of been of the belief that they've just gotten like different. I know Danny Shelton yeah. <laughs> is kind of like that snacks replacement. Nick Williams, is he going to be kind of like the Ashawn Robinson of the group? It seems like the the group that a lot of people were most excited about last season was the defensive line. Has Detroit's defensive line done enough to, to improve itself? What about their offensive line? They've made changes, but are they necessarily better? Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair question. I mean, I think some of it comes down to whether you, think Damon Harrison was good last year or whether you think he wasn't that good last year and where you kind of put the blame on what happened with that front seven. And, you know, I think the swap there, Harrison, the Harrison of most of 2019 for Danny Shelton, I think is 
I don't know. I don't know if it's a push, but I think it's pretty close. I don't think you'll lose a ton there. Um, if it's Damon Harrison that they traded for two years ago, that's probably a step back. Yeah. I mean, Williams too, it's, are you getting the guy that sort of came out of nowhere that 29, 30 years old, or are you going to get right. the guy he was up until that point? So they're, you know, they're kind of rolling the dice there. I think that's a spot you're still talking about probably needing to find uh, someone else in this draft that can get uh, to the quarterback. You need Deshaun hand healthy. I mean, I think that's, that's sort of the, sort of the thing that stands out to me. Like if you look at this roster, I don't know that there are any other than edge rusher at this point, And maybe that second cornerback spot, there aren't a lot of glaring holes right now, but there also aren't a lot of spots where you feel like they're hundred percent set where they feel like they're safe across the board uh, and sort of insulated from anything going wrong. And that's kind of where I stand on defensive line, you know, offensive line for whatever reason, this was the plan all along was to let Graham <laughs> Glasgow go. Yeah. And it was pretty obvious the way they used him last year. It was pretty obvious when, you know, people in that building who weren't players would talk about uh, the offensive line setup and sort of what they wanted to do with it. And like I said, I don't think right now they're not better. They haven't gotten better by losing Graham Glasgow and, you know, re-signing Ibushi and, and maybe using, I don't, Crosby or Bo Benchwall or someone in there. Like they're not better. Graham Glasgow was a guy who started every, every game and um, was really solid. Seemed like he was still on the upswing, like week 17 uh, was about as well as he's played as a run blocker in Detroit. So um, that that's a, that's a big loss. And uh, you know, you're obviously kind of rolling the dice at right tackle too. We don't know if that investment's going to pay off. So I still think there's some moving parts uh, up front. They still need a guard. I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted a tackle, um, even with Ty on board. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, again, I feel like that they're okay. I feel like they're going into the draft. I think Bob Quinn's goal is to go into the draft and not be desperate anywhere. And I feel like yeah. he's gotten to that point, but I don't know that they're competitive everywhere. Well, that that's a good way to jump into our draft talk, which I want to jump right into because, yeah, I'm kind of of the belief in, in general, that's kind of been Bob Quinn's MO of free agencies, just get them into a position where they're okay, pretty much everywhere. Maybe not great, but okay. Um, let, let's talk about day one first. Let's talk about that third overall pick. Um, obviously, I think most of the narrative has been around the Lions potentially trading out of that pick. Um, at this point, how likely do you think it is? And if you had to pick a, a team that you think is most likely that this team is going to trade down with, who who is it? I mean, I think if Chase Young isn't there, you probably would expect him to trade down. I, I get a little nervous, <laughs> you know, everyone talking about trade down, Jeff Okuda, and like just thinking about what this regime has done from a draft perspective like Ragnow, Tavai, Tracy Walker, like they're they love to sort of fly under the radar with everything. So I'm trying to evaluate what I'm not thinking about. And that might be the move in round one. Right. Um but I mean I think the natural course if Chase Young isn't there is to go back to five or six, um, get an extra day two pick if you can and maybe one next year and hope that Jeff Okuda is still there because I think that's totally reasonable to go to five, go to six and, and still expect him there. Um, well, I've kind of been circling the chargers lately just because I think a lot of the buzz has been on the dolphins, maybe not loving Tua quite as much, but again, you know, how much are we believing you know, two weeks out from the draft? I'm not sure. I think there's a window there certainly in that range to trade back. Um, you know, I don't know that they're going to get 
Miami's three first rounders, but I think there's a, a window to trade back. And I think it makes a lot of sense unless you're just, unless Chase Young falls or you're just so head over heels in love with Jeff Okuda. Um, and maybe they are, but yeah, <laughs> unless that's I was going to say, like, you got to trade back. Doesn't I, you kind of listed the Lions history. It's kind of full of guys that they fell in love with and maybe, maybe took too early. You know, even, even the Ragnow pick was kind of criticized at the time of potentially being too early. Um, I think, I think there's a good chance they, they just stick with the Kuda three because for, I mean, they need a backup plan, right? Who's their backup plan at five. If, if Okuda is gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't I'd say, say me, I, please don't Isaiah say Brown. <laughs> Well, that's see. I think if you go back to five or six and say Miami takes or the Giants take Okuda, then I think that that's sort of where it gets it, it gets crazy because I don't know that. It, I mean, I think they need a guy who can do some of the things Derek Brown can do, but I'm not sure Derek Brown is their guy necessarily. And I don't know that Isaiah Simmons. You know, I, Isaiah Simmons is a fascinating prospect. I think he's going to be awesome in the NFL. But given what they've done this off season, the types of I don't know. I don't know that he'd be that guy right. for him either. And so you kind of start looking at linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so you start to sort of kind of look at, well, you know, is, is offensive tackle on the board there? Uh, right. Would they take a wide receiver that high? Like, I think that it's kind of opens up everything. I mean, I still think, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Trade it's back a really again? interesting. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think it's a really interesting question. Cause I, I, I personally really like Derek Brown. I think I can see the upside of him as a pass rusher, but I also understand why people are wary about making that investment at five or six. You've got to have, I mean, that's got to be like Sue in his prime type of player. You know, you've right. got to get that guy. And I don't know that Derek Brown is going to be that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that gets, that gets a little tricky if you don't go back. And I think that's the argument for staying. Like if you go, you don't, you don't know for sure that the Giants are going to go offensive tackle or whatever. So if you lose Okuda and trade down to six and then you're sort of in no man's land, that's how you get into trouble. So um, <laughs> I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how it played out. I mean, I think that the plan is, I think that they'd love to go back, get the extra picks and get Okuda, but um, I'm not sure. I mean, what, what's your, pref- what's your preference there? If they go to six and Okuda is gone, like who would you want? Yeah, it's a tough question. I think it's not one that Lions fans have really asked themselves that often. Cause they're just, everyone's kind of pie in the sky, whatever their draft mock draft machine tells them is going to happen is going to happen. And not a lot are saying that's going to happen, but yeah, I, <laughs> honestly, I, I kind of think my preference might just be to trade back again. Um, if, if possible, I mean, again, that's, that's more easily said than done, but this team needs a lot of picks and, and having that third overall pick is a, is a big opportunity to cash in on a lot of, uh, uh you know, lottery picks, um, as, as I like to call them, because you, you never know. So you trade back maybe to the, to the mid, maybe Javon Kinlaw is, is available 12 or 13 or, or however far you trade back. And if they you know, if they drop back to the middle of the first round, I'm not against taking a wide receiver either taking one of those top three that are on the board still. How do you feel, Ryan? Well, so that's the thing is I think you look at Bob Quinn's draft history, especially in the first round. He just really covets these guys. We've talked about this before, but he covets these guys that have high floors and it's been like the Taylor Deckers of the world that it's been the Frank Ragnows, And it's been, you know, at the time, Jared Davis was kind of like a safe pick. I mean, I think, I don't think that there are a lot of people that are really criticizing Jared Davis in terms of his ability then, but obviously he just hasn't quite put it all together. So I think if you look at this draft and you look at the next positional group that has that high floor, 
you start talking about the wide receivers because it yeah. seems like everybody is sold on the fact that Jerry Judy is going to be a stud. CD Lamb's going to be a stud. You know, uh, you, you want to lump Henry Ruggs the third in there too. Like that guy's going to be a stud. I think that, yeah, I mean, that's almost kind of like pie in the sky too, though, isn't it? Like thinking that, Hey, if they can trade back once they can trade back again. Right. Um, I think that's why they really covet Okuda though. I mean, even though like he does seem like a guy who has a lot of potential, he seems like a really safe pick. He seems like the the top corner of the class at a position that they, that they value and that they really need too. So that's why he checks those boxes at three. So it's really hard to kind of talk yourself out of, Hey, if there isn't an attractive option to trade back to five or trade back to six, as, as Chris had mentioned, and still be able to you know put yourself in position to get Okuda, it's kind of a tough sell because you have to have other parts kind of like fall in line. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of why I say the, like if you go back and Okuda's not there, offensive tackle, I think for the same reasons you're saying wide receiver, like I think if you mm-hmm. look at Jedrick Wills, you look at Tristan Wirfs, like those are guys that are going to start in the NFL and be pretty good. Are they going to, I don't know if they're going to be all pros, but they're guys that you could plug in next year, the year after, if you let Decker leave or you're moving parts around, like I think that those are guys that can start and be pretty good. And so, you know, I, I kind of, uh, been kind of preparing for the prospect of them doing something like that and just what the reaction would be if they trade back to six and take an yeah. offensive tackle. Um, but <laughs> I, I think it's, it's, you, you it's know, the answer to that, right? I know. Yeah. I know. But there's sort of this, like, it's interesting because I think after you get out of like Chase Young, the quarterbacks, Simmons, Okuda, you're sort of into this range where it's offensive tackle or wide receiver or, your values way down. Like your value, you want to go back more. Like you said, like you'd rather be at, you'd rather have three picks at the top of day two almost than pick like 11 because you're going to be kind of forcing a guy into that spot, I think. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it would be really interesting to see what happened. I mean, that's, I, I don't know if that's the nightmare scenario for them. I'm sure they planned out for it, but it feels like it'd be a, a tough spot for them to be in if they go back to six and then miss out uh, on Okuda there. All right, we're going to wrap up our day one talk right there. When we come back, we're going to have a little bit more with Chris Burke. We're going to talk about the second and third days of the draft. So stick around. We'll be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with POD cast here with Chris Burke from the athletic. Um, let's jump right into day two talk because uh, we we've, we've worn day one down. We, I think we all know kind of the, the things that may happen, the guys that they may like. Um, but let's talk, let's talk guard. Um, because you mentioned at the top, it doesn't seem like the Lions have a very good plan at guard. How, <laughs> how necessary is it for them to draft a guard? Are, are they even valuing guard considering they, they wouldn't pay Glasgow. And, and if so, um, who's, who's a guy that you think might fit what they're looking for? I, I think they're valuing guard in the way that you draft a guard on day three and let him develop and be your guy for three or four years. And if he outplays that contract, then, I mean, I think that they, you let him go. Like they think they, they valued Glasgow to a point and they value Joe Dahl at the contract he's at. And right. uh, like they value Ode Abushi as a, as a backup guy who maybe comes in and competes. But yeah, I mean, I think the guard certainly makes a lot of sense. And I think that's one of the reasons that they maybe shied away from Glasgow is because you kind of look at not just this draft, but every draft and you can go into day three and find a guy who can be pretty solid for you at that spot. So I think um, this draft's no different. I mean, Damian Lewis from LSU is the one that, you know, he's at the senior bowl. If they want to just really get in the trenches and, and mash and use a little bit more uh, uh, that between the tackles running, like, Maybe he's the guy. Um, I, I think two more of those senior bowl guys like Ben Bredesen from Michigan. Uh, maybe that's too easy because he steps in and replaces Glasgow and, you know, <laughs> is kind of similar and <laughs> you just sort of move forward to status quo. Uh, Jonah Jackson's the other one from Ohio state. Like I think that in terms of what they want to do uh, with the run game and sort of what we saw them try last year and struggle with, you know, they tried to do a lot of the like inside zone type stuff. Um, and some of the reason they struggle is because they don't really have running backs or at least until, you know, the end of the season when Bo Scarborough kind of took off, like they didn't have running backs to, to really sell that scheme. But, um, I think that's what they'd like to do. And Jonah Jackson's coming out of a offense that really did that well. So that's like right in the round four range where, uh, maybe the second, that second round three pick round four pick, like that, I think that's right in the range where you start looking at uh, a potential starting guard. After that, I mean, you can find guys, I think, later, but uh, you're also probably talking about, I mean, I don't know that you'd look at them as upgrades over Benchwall or uh, Abushi necessarily. I think you'd be talking about a guy that you hope develops, you know, for two, three years down the road. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Chris, so, I mean, you you view those you know potentially like late day two picks maybe or maybe early day three picks to fix the guard position but what about as far as like skill positions go because i know that the lions they have some uncertainty on whether or not carry on johnson can be healthy for a season and you know whether or not you can count on bo scarborough to be like a reliable power back do they do they value 
a position like that? Do you think so much that they take one on day two just because they maybe got that extra pick in the third round or, you know, do they, do they really go after the wide receiver position? Because that I think far and away seems to be the most talented and, and, and loaded position in the draft. So do they think, do you think maybe they capitalize on, on one of those guys on day two or where do you view the lions in terms of how much they value the skill positions in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think that they absolutely need to come out of this draft with a wide receiver just because of what, you know, they're uncertain after this year. And also just because it is such a good class, I think you really have to look like at the latest. I think you look round four, round five. And because this draft is so good, you think you can find some some names there that at least could help you or develop behind the guys you have now and be ready for a year from now. Running back's interesting because I, I think that they, you know, the, the identity of this team really wants to be physical, ball control, you know, like I said, the inside run, inside zone stuff, you know, just sort of mash people when, especially when they get the lead. Um, and I don't know that they necessarily are in that spot yet. I mean, I think they liked what Bo Scarborough did last year um, and they definitely like carry on Johnson, but are you counting on those guys to be, you know, 200 carry guys over the course of a season. Um, I don't, I don't know that they're there yet. I mean, I think they'd love carry on Johnson to be that, but I don't know after the two years he's had that you can go and expecting that. So I think that's one uh, that you, I don't know that I expect them necessarily to use a day two pick on it, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if they use a day two pick, especially if they get an extra one. Uh, and we've heard their, you know, we've heard them come up a bunch when these these running backs, you know, have reportedly been on the trade block. It always seems like the Lions are one of the teams making calls, whether carrying on Johnson's been healthy or not. So uh, I think it makes sense for them to go get someone else if they want to really have that um, that rotation that can kind of mix and match depending on who they're playing. And, you know, I think that there are guys, if they want to go day two, I think there's going to be some really talented players there. I think you can wait and get some complimentary pieces, but then it's, you know, it's sort of getting into the same discussion as guard. Like, are you upgrading over what you already had? Or are you just throwing another hat into the ring? Right. Yeah. Right. I think especially with that wide receiver position too, they have the ability or they have the depth right now with, you know, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, where none, nobody they necessarily dress will be thrust into a role where they have to start performing immediately. It seems like, at least at the wide receiver position, they have a little bit of cushion with running back. It seems a little bit more tumultuous, but go ahead, Jeremy. I was going to say my, my question with, with the wide receiver position is just what, what does this team value and what is this team looking for? Because like you said, it can literally be, I mean, there's no one signed through 2020 or after 2020, I should say. So are they going for a slot guy? Are they going for a big body receiver? Is it just, you know, grab the best one available in round three? Um, do you, do you have any sense of what they're looking for at wide receiver? Or is it just literally anybody? Yeah. I mean, I think it could be, I think it could be anybody. I mean, I think they could double, double down there, especially if they had another pick. I mean, it just feels like uh, really anything could be on the table there. That's why I said, like, if they trade down, I don't think they'd take a wide receiver at five, but if they trade back, either trade back twice or they make a big drop with that first trade, like, I think it comes, I think it's on the board. Like, I don't think you can cross off Jerry Judy at, 11 or 12. I think you've got to make that consideration if he's there. Um, I think it's, you know, you're sort of assuming Kenny Galladay is going to sign a long-term contract at some point. So he's going to be your, you know, one, a one B guy. Um, and so that gives you something moving forward. I, I I'm curious to see what they do, you know, because they have Danny Amendola back, you've got this sort of opportunity to either 
take a guy who's exactly like Danny Amendola and kind of prepare him to be Danny Amendola in the future. You know, maybe that you go get KJ Hill or something, or you can get uh, a big play guy there who can maybe play inside out and has some size in the slot and is different than Danny Amendola and kind of opens things up a little bit more. And so that's really the spot uh, that I'm kind of interested in seeing because I, I feel like it's a spot that uh, a lot of teams are looking for right now. And it's kind of hard to find, um, you know, those really dynamic guys to step in there. So this might be a chance for them to do that. Find someone there who's not just, you know, a, a move the chains piece, but really opens things up. And then if you've got that guy and Hawkinson and Galladay, you know, you don't need to go out and break the bank. I don't think at the other wide receiver spot. All right. Last question before we let you go. Uh, you can, you can make it a real quick answer. Cause I know we're pushing up against it here. Hunter <laughs> okay. quarterback. What are the chances the Lions draft them and, and how early would you go? Oh man. I, I've, I'd put it 50, 50 <laughs> on a punter. Like it feels like they need to draft a punter, but they also have the couple guys on the roster now that I think could be yeah. at least like serviceable in that role. Um, so I'd say it's 50, 50 quarterback for me. I still feel like they're going to take a quarterback and it's kind of hard to, to slot in a guy when you're looking at all the other needs and look at sort of how, you know, you're talking about wide receivers being a value in the fifth round and maybe guards a value in the fourth and fifth round. So where are you putting in a quarterback? But I think you kind of go back to the senior bowl week and they really just value, they value that week so much, but I think especially this year, you know, getting in there with the quarterbacks, having that time that now basically no other team got with these guys because of what's going yeah. on um, with the pre-draft process. And, you know, it's a wide range of skill sets there. I don't think they're going to take Justin Herbert, but you get a little lower there. And, um, you know, Anthony Gordon, I think still jumps out a little bit as a guy that they could take, take a chance on. I, I mean, I, I think they're going to take one. I think they take a quarterback. If I had to bet on it right now, I think they take a day three quarterback and I, I, probably lean toward it being one of the senior bowl quarterbacks. So I guess take your pick there. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you check out Chris stuff at the athletic. Is is there some promotion going? There's always a promotion going on. What's the promotion on the athletic <laughs> right now? Uh, we're still rolling um, 90 days free. So if you want to just come check us out for the next three months, uh, trying to help people kind of get through what's uh, you know, all this extra time that they have at home and everything. So um, yeah, come check us out. 90, you can just go into any article. If you're not subscribed, it's 90 day free trial. And then uh, hopefully you want to stick around longer than that. But if not, it, um, yeah, come, it, come it's absolutely it worth it. Absolutely worth it. And also check out his prospect to pros podcast for all you draft Knicks. Definitely worth it with Dane Brugler, who's one of the best yeah. minds in, in the NFL. And, and obviously Chris too, who you now know, if you didn't know before, also a great mind. No, come listen for Dane. It's for Dane. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Chris, I appreciate you joining us. Go tend to your family. Go have a nice rest <laughs> of your, your Easter Sunday. And thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks Chris. We, you know, let's stick around. We still got a little time. It's only been a 10 minute segment. Let's, let's stick around and let's answer. We're, we're going to jump into the mailbag a little early. Cause I got this very, very good question that I wanted to, to ask Ryan. And, and if we had time with Chris, but that's okay that we don't, it comes from, <laughs> I think our aptly named pride of Detroit commenter named meth chef, Jeff. He asks, <laughs> he gives a very interesting hypothetical where he asks, 
All right. The NFL has, for whatever reason, chosen the Detroit Lions as the team that they're trying to make a Super Bowl winner. They're trying to get parity in the NFL. They're trying to get Detroit fans to stick around. So they decide they hatch up the scheme. The Detroit Lions will have the first pick, the first four picks in every NFL draft until they win a Super Bowl. So the first four picks, but nothing else. Just the first four picks in the draft. One, two, three, and four. Nothing else. Two-part question. One, who are the four players you take in this year's draft? And two, how long until the Lions win that Super Bowl? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Okay, so this is why... This is why we need to take the internet away from some people. <laughs> um, because this question, this question has ever since Jeremy prompted me with it about, uh, oh, I don't know, probably like six or seven hours ago. I've been thinking about it nonstop. <laughs> uh, I love this question. I absolutely love it. So much so in the hopes that I hope the Lions trade away future draft capital and or players to get the to top happen. in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. But so I don't know. Do you want to just exchange our four or do you want to go back and forth one, 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 or what do you want to do here? What? No. Why don't you give me your four? Then I'll give you my four. Okay, perfect. All right. So uh, my number one with a bullet obviously is going to be Chase Young, because if you yep. can get, the t- if you can get the top four players, why not get the best player in the draft at a position? or at positions where the Lions can potentially upgrade exponentially. You get an off off the ball guy. Maybe you play with him a little bit there. You put his hand in the dirt a little bit and he plays there. Maybe he plays a little Jack, you know, Jack linebacker. I don't know, whatever. You're going to find a way to make Chase Young, make your team better. Are you going to yeah. win a Super Bowl in the first year? Not too sure, but we'll, we'll figure it out with the rest of our picks. Jeff Okuda, obviously you have to get a CB too. So I think he's a surefire dynamite pick. And we've been saying this on the podcast for such a long time. The difference between Okuda and the next corner, I think, is 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 big enough that you need to get the top guy in the class. So now is where things get a little bit shaky. Like those first two I'm, picks, I, I think, are I mean, we're yes. probably locking step, right? Yes, I have those two as well, for sure. Yeah. So now it just, I think, becomes kind of like, well, where do you think this team could beef up and maybe potentially get good enough that they could win in year one. If you add four top rookies, because okay. I think, I think if you add a guy who is mm-hmm. as dynamic, a playmaker with the ball in his hands as CD lamb, then I think things get really interesting on offense because now you mm-hmm. have Marvin Jones. And we were just talking about the Chris Burke. We have Kenny Galladay. You have TJ Hawkinson. You have CD lamb, who is a, yeah, Danny Amendola, who's a true playmaker. Like, I mean, you you get one of those guys who is, as Chris so you know astutely put, you know, not not a chain mover anymore, but some guy who all of a sudden turns their offense into something really dynamic. So, CD Lamb is my third guy because I want to get I want to get a dynamic playmaker, and it's going to be boring. And I'm sorry because we're going to move Vitae to guard. And we're going to take one of the top tackles in the draft. We're going to get Tristan Wirfs. Interesting. And okay. you know what? I think that helps, you know, maintain that identity of like wanting to be a, a, a run, you know, maul people in the run game. You get a really good run, run blocker as well as somebody who can keep Stafford upright and play right tackle. And then you also have a, you have a Taylor Decker, you know, if you want to move Wirfs over to left tackle, maybe you know, you have an insurance policy for Taylor Decker moving forward too. So it's going to be Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, CD Lamb, and Tristan Wirfs with the first four picks in the draft. And hopefully the Lions are, are moving in the right direction. 
Well, this is perfect because my other two are completely different from your other two. I love so, it. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, obviously. Obvious picks. Now, I'm going to have to swallow my pride a little bit for this one. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hold on. This is Leonardo DiCaprio. He said pride. He said pride <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> Give me Joe Burrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That man is a... Uh, you have to take what? Joe Burrow. What if happened? For nothing else, you take him for the value. You take him for trading him away. Or, I mean, if you have to trade Matthew Stafford away, that's fine. But listen, this guy lit up college football. If he's there at three, I think you have to consider him. You really do. That's how good he is. And he doesn't come with all the questions that Tua does. And so, okay, I mean, I we've, had the Tua, we've had the Tua debate on here. And we're all very clearly against taking Tua at three. I think Joe Burrow is a completely different conversation. I really do. And if you're getting four choices at the top, you take a quarterback. I'm sorry. Like you have that much draft capital. You're t- you should take a quarterback every year. And if, and if you have the number one quarterback on the board and a guy who played broke all these college records and doesn't really have any pure weaknesses doing his game, you take, you take Joe Burrow. You don't believe in Matthew Stafford. That's all. Stop I heard. it. That's Stop all it. I heard. No, 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 no. Hold on. So I think I think from a from an asset accumulation standpoint, that's awesome. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense. But I think that leaves you in a spot where you have to make a decision immediately. Like I, I think I think Maybe. I think. Well, I don't know. I just think if you want to be the best version of yourself going into the next season. I don't know. Like, do you stick with Matthew Stafford and have Joe Burrow sit behind him? And now all of a sudden now, one of, your, one, now one of your four guys is just not playing. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. I mean, and is I mean, I, I understand you have a unique case here where you, you can have four pure starters right off the bat. But at the same time, we're talking about st- rookie starters and you're not always you're not always going to have an all pro right you're not going to have a pro bowler necessarily at three overall two overall even at one at all overall mm-hmm. um so i think just the value there you, you definitely start stafford in, in 2020 and then you you make a decision which is probably trading matthew stafford in, in 2021 if you don't trade joe burrow right away um and then you'll probably hate this pick even more <laughs> but because you have other picks you i mean i think this defense needs a key piece it needs a key component and I know Chase Young is one guy, but this team needs interior pass rush. This team needs a run stuffer. It's Derek Brown. I'm sorry. Like, nor I don't want Derek Brown at three, but if I have two other picks, three other picks, I'm I'm a little I'm suddenly more okay with Derek Brown as my fourth overall pick. Actually, I put Joe Burrow fourth overall because I want him to have the worst <laughs> contract because he's a quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I can't argue with, I can't argue with any of the choices you made because I think that you did a good job explaining your rationale with them. But I think one thing that's going to get a lot of people fired up is neither of us said Isaiah Simmons. I, I, I I almost did. And, and Chad is obviously upset about it already. And I I wanted to make sure we got uh, Chris's thoughts on Isaiah Simmons because he's the most, I feel like there's the, the most cognitive dissonance between Lions fans and everyone else with Isaiah Simmons. And it's not that I think he's going to be a bad player. It's Chris said, he's probably going to be a fantastic player. I just don't like the fit here. I really don't. I think, I think we saw the lines go heavy at linebacker. 
this offseason. Um, that doesn't preclude them from necessarily from taking one, but it sure certainly makes it less of a need. They also added a safety. So, you know, whatever position you think Isaiah Simmons is going to play, I think they already have players that, I mean, I think they like Tracy Walker in the Isaiah Simmons role. And, and in essence, they kind of have already a backup in Tracy Walker um, with Will Harris. He kind of is, is a similar player. And so I just, I don't see the need for Simmons as much as I do a nose tackle like Derek Brown. We, I mean, how many times this offseason have we said just how pivotal it is to this defense? We saw with snacks playing at his best, how improved the defense was for that half season. So uh, I, I like Isaiah Simmons. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. I just don't expect him to wear Honolulu blue at any point in his career. Ever, ever, not, except- not once. Nope, never. Not even when the team overhauls its coaching staff next year. Anyways, uh, I think that's enough for the second segment. We we ran 20 minutes on this. Again, thanks for Chris Burke to, for joining us. Um, hopefully we'll get him on again soon because he's a, he's a great voice. He's a great guy. Um, one of my favorite guys on the Lions beat. And uh, make sure, like we said, go to theathletic.com to get all of his coverage all of his unique stories. It's a, it's an interesting voice. It's a different voice than maybe what you get from the normal Lions beat. So make sure you head over there and make sure you stick around because more mailbag is next. Mail Mailbag. Hashtag SPOD. If you ever have any questions for us that you want to answer right here, right now in the third segment of our weekly podcasts, um, we are going to head straight to the comment section, though. Um, we also put up an SPOD post on PrideOfDetroit.com that you can ask questions um, there. First one comes from Smurf0404. He says, eliminating punter, kicker, fullback, uh, long snapper, and tight end. What would be the most disappointing position for the Lions to pick in the first two rounds? Mm, that's actually a really good question because I think he got rid of the positions that I would have chosen, which were definitely tight end. <laughs> we're going to get back into that conversation from last week. No, no, we're not going to get into that. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think in the first two rounds, he says. Yep. What would be the most? I think it would have to be quarterback. Quarterback's definitely up there. I think quarterback I mean, is up there just because that player is not, hopefully, fingers crossed, is not going to play this season. Right. Um, um, so you would hope that you would get a guy in the first two rounds that would at least make some sort of an impact on the 2020 season. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's hard for me not to say running back since I've been banging the drum for the past uh, you, month. You got to stay on brand. Please, please don't pick a running back with a top 40 pick. Uh, that's that's I, I would push it honestly back to 50. But since the Lions currently only have two top 40 picks. Don't pick a running back. It's bad value. The team doesn't need it that bad. Um, it's a need. I'm not going to deny that running back is a need right now, but they don't need it that bad. Um, if if the, let's just um, uh, let's put it out there. If if the Lions go into the season with carry on Johnson, Bo Scarborough and Ty Johnson, is it is that that bad? I'm OK with that. I know you need backups just in case, but pick one up off the street. Pick up Zach Zenner. I don't care. 
Fair enough. Like honestly, like if if Bo Scarborough gets hit, gets hurt, pick up Zach Zenner, and I'm I'm cool with that plan for running back. Sure, that's fair. All right. Next question from comes from OG Helios. Um, he asks, "What has been your go-to takeout spot in the last few weeks, or or if you've been cooking instead, your go-to meal to cook?" <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna move past the go-to meal that I've cooked because I've already been criticized for it and scrutinized <laughs> enough for eating my mac and cheese. Uh, but I am gonna the the one spot that I've been getting food from consistently has been Crust Bakery, which mm. I think is. I think they're starting to kind of expand a little bit in terms of having their products in different restaurants and also in, I think you can find them in uh, the bakery section of your local grocer, but uh, they are a baking company and they've been around since like 2012, but I think kind of like um, not on the same, not, not on the same size or scale as like Zingerman's necessarily, but yeah. um kind of like uh, a tier below that, but they, they do some good takeout stuff because they do all their sandwiches on different kinds of bread and, and whatnot. So they have, they have some pretty good food that it's only like a short drive too. That's been the other thing. I don't really want to go like venture out too far from my house. Otherwise I definitely would be going to Wingstop every single day, but that's, <laughs> a, 45, deliver, man. That, that's a 45 minute drive. <laughs> the problem, oh, they definitely don't deliver to you. I forgot. Yeah, they don't. Um, no, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to rub that in. Uh, my place that I've been trying to go to, um, sparingly, I'm, I'm trying not to eat out too much and, and work on my, my cooking. Um, Zeno subs and pizza in Plymouth. Um, I want to shout them out because as you may have seen on my Instagram, uh, a week or two ago, I got a fantastic Chicago style pizza there and it was delicious. Um, the sad part is though, I tried to get some yesterday and no one was answering their phone. So they may have closed down. Uh, amidst all this. Hopefully that isn't the case. I'm probably going to try again sometime soon. But um, if you're around the Plymouth area, I would definitely say go check out Zeno's Subs and Pizza. Uh, Got to sh- shout out some local businesses during this time. Hopefully um, they haven't been hurt by this, but um, obviously they probably have at least to some degree. Go go check them out. Go flood their phones. Um, hopefully that's the case. Their, their, their phones are just flooded with all these people that wanted pizza. Let's go with that. Um, Sticking with food, <laughs> sticking with food. Let's make this one quick so we get back on some lines. Talk Zelly Dow at um, Zelly Dow on Twitter asked, "Bagels or sliced bread?" Bagels. Brian. Okay. Phew. Phew. We are about to end this podcast. If you had anything else to say, no. I mean, I think you you know you put some everything seasoning on a on a bagel, and I'm pretty happy with it. Bagels so versatile. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon raisin bagels. Big fan of those. Asiago cheese. Mm. Do some locks. Oh God. Bagels and locks are just like, it's, it's the most like underappreciated breakfast meal of all time. Yeah. So rich, but so, so, so good. It's so, I know people like they look at raw salmon and they're just like, they're smoked salmon and they're just like, no, 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 no. I'm telling you. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, It melts, it melts in your mouth. It's so good. I could, I could have an entire podcast series on how good bagels and locks are but this is a lines podcast so honestly i think that's what that's what tipped me from choosing either a sliced bread or bagels i mean you could probably put locks on gross. a slice of bread but yeah gross. It's gross. like no, bread's, <laughs> bread's fine but bagels are just like god tier bread god tier bread god tier bread 
<laughs> you heard it here first, folks, on the POD cast on Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Bagels <Hey>. have risen. <laughs> oh, boy. Listen, I'm, I had to get some Jewish talk on, on a Christian holiday, right? <laughs> For my Jewish brethren out there, happy Passover, everybody. Um, all right, let's get back to the the NFL draft. Um, this is a great question because I have a very specific answer. Um, what is your favorite draft day moment of levity? I, I'll, I'll go first while you think yeah, about you it. Yeah, you go and first. You'd yeah. think I'd probably jump to Mitchell Trubisky, and you wouldn't be necessarily wrong. <laughs> but the draft reaction of Miami Dolphins fans when they drafted uh, Ted Ginn Jr. over Brady Quinn is it's comedy gold. Uh, I I think I'm going to show it to our, our live audience because it's so good. Uh, It's, it's amazing. Gosh. I mean, what, what year is that? It's 2006, 2007. Some, yeah, it's, it's gotta be around then. It's funny now because somehow Brady, Brady Quinn is out of the NFL and, and Ted Ginn is still kind of hanging around. Uh, but God, it's, there's just a guy that's standing there slack jawed because the the best part about it is that they get the crowd before the pick and they're all just like, Oh my God, this is so exciting. We're finally going to get our quarterback of the future. And then they just drop the name and everyone's just like, <laughs> Just a guy just looking at you. You really get every single fan. You get the disbelief silent fan. Who's just got rage building in his, in his eyes. You've got the guy who's just like, no, fuck this. I hate this team. <laughs> you have like this old person too. Who, like you wouldn't expect to get any sort of reaction, but they're mad too. Uh, it's, I have to pull it up for uh chat here. I know this right. isn't going to be great for uh, the the audio listen. The audio, maybe we can get Chris to to plug in the audio of it. Um, but here we go. I'm going to play it for you guys right now. With the ninth pick in the 2007 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Ted Ginn. Disbelief, guy. Old angry lady, pissed off guy, disbelief girl. It's there's the really angry guy. No, nope. F this team, F this. It's so good. It's my favorite. Uh, all right. What's your favorite draft moment of levity? I don't know if your- I have. I don't know if I have a for sure slam dunk one. I mean, I was in Philadelphia when the Mitchell Trubisky thing happened. I was with mm-hmm. Chris and I was with Alex and I was with Andrew Cotto. And I remember all of us in, because I think at that point we had decided, like we went down we checked out, you know, the draft kind of like headquarters area. And we decided that we were just going to go back because it was so packed. And we got back and we found out that Trubisky was the pick. And then we saw all the reaction videos and we were, <laughs> we were just, it was such a, it was such a incredible moment. But I think one of my most recent ones that I remember is when the Raiders took uh, Cleland, uh, Farrell. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, yeah, I remember it was last season and, uh, it was last draft. And there were, there was that one fan who had the reaction, like who, like we did what at number four? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, 
He's like, are you kidding me? Like just one of those, like, that's not real. Like, why did they just do that kind of picks? So I, I think that's one of the ones that um, comes to mind. Most yeah. recent history. All right. It's time. It's time for a segment within a segment. It's time for Tua Talk. We have Tua Talk. Theme. Hit the theme. Tua. Tua Talk, we have a question from Is This the Year Lions? Do you think that Tua will tumble down the draft board? And if so, how far? Um, we obviously had some news come out this week. Michael Lombardi, a former NFL executive, on his podcast said two teams have failed physicals for Tua, which suggests that he may not be on their board at all. And that includes one team in the top 10. Um, the, the question I guess to you, Ryan is, do you believe any of this stuff coming out? He also, you know, he posted his workout at, um, he sent it to all 32 teams. Um, do you think there's a chance that Tua falls in this draft? There always seems to be one guy and, and sometimes it's a quarterback that kind of slips out of, uh, the general perception of where he should go. Do you think there's, there's a risk with Tua? I mean, no teams have been able to have that kind of in-house visit in-house physical. They've had to rely on independent doctors. It's a big risk. Um, I, I, I kind of buy Lombardi's argument that like taking a quarterback one is super hard it, to find one. That's really, really good to find one that is, is going to be your franchise quarterback. You look at the history, the, the hit rate is 50, 50 at best. Are you willing to take on that added risk for a guy like Tua, who's not only coming back from a horrific, hor- a horrific hip injury, but has dealt with wrist in- injuries and ankle injuries and, and a myriad of stuff. Do you think there's a chance he slides? I think that there's a, I think there's a chance he slides, but I don't really see him falling out of the top 10. And does that count as sliding? I, I, I don't think that would be considered sliding in on the degree in which some people might think he, he may. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that this is going to be like an Aaron Rodgers getting drafted in the twenties situation, or I don't think this is going to be like a Johnny Manziel Two is going to fall that far. I think that there, there's there's a quarterback needy team in the top ten that is going to take him. Whether or not it's Miami, it's the Chargers, it's the Jaguars. There's some team that's in the top ten that's going to take Tua Tagovailoa. And yeah, the injuries are a legitimate risk, and that's a that's something that you have to consider. And like you know, you bring up a good point that Lombardi. And normally, I think Lombardi is just a a blowhole of a person, but. Um, I, I, I think, I think that there is something to be said for, Hey, you know, it's hard enough to, it's hard enough to find the guy you want to be your franchise quarterback. And sometimes, you know, getting, getting that guy in the top of the first round is maybe a 50, 50 proposition, but then all of a sudden now you start throwing injuries into it. And now it seems like it's even less of a likelihood that two is going to pan out. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough pick to, to take to a Tonga but I think a lot of teams maybe view it as, Hey, what if we do hit on him? What if he is Robert Griffin, the third, you know, pre ACL injury? What if he is some kind of like dynamic player that, you know, changes the fortunes of our franchise immediately? Yep. It's a, it's a tough question to, to answer. And it's one we're just going to kind of have to wait and see what happens. Um, and the Lions don't have to answer it because they have franchise quarterback. Isn't it true, nice? True. Yes, <laughs> isn't it, it nice? Is nice? 
It's super nice. Um, but if Joe Burrow's there at three, you got to think it. You got to think about it. Uh, anyways, let's uh, let's go to Lions fan three 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 in our chat. Um, he's asked it a couple times. What do you think of Chase Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame? We talked about wide receivers. Lions could potentially target. This would definitely be a, a day two kind of guy. Um, incredible RAS nine point nine eight. Uh, if, if you're into the athletic traits, super athletic guy. He's also tall, six four, um, big, speedy. Kind of has everything in terms of what you want athletically. Um, are, are you kind of circling his name as a potential day two target? Well, he was a standout at the Senior Bowl. He mm-hmm. he had a high win rate. He had um, some impressive play there. I truly think, though, like when you look at Chase, when you look at Chase and you look at his body type and you look at the size that he came in and the and the things that he did, I think he truly is like a tight end. I think, you know, he, he came in like, I mean, he's like 238 pounds, but then he like tested yeah. off the chart, ran like a four, four, two, you know, a 40 and a half inch vertical, um, even, you know, 19 reps on the bench press is pretty impressive for a wide receiver, especially for a guy who, you know, has, uh, who has the kind of size that he has at 32 and a half inch arms. But I really think like, I think he's going to be like a tight end more so at the next level. Like he's going to be one of those guys who plays the role of kind of like an Evan Ingram. Um, so I think he's less wide receiver and more tight end to me. So maybe like an Anquan Bolden kind of big, big slot guy. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Have have the guy athletic though. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, I I think, I think more athletic, but at the same time, I think he's one of those guys that you want to line up maybe on, you want to line up on the inside and you want him to kind of run those seam routes and stretch the, the inside of the defense. And that opens up things in your running game. But I think he's just a guy with like a huge catch radius. He's just not really like, a modern wide receiver. Like, yes, I think maybe like 15 years ago, Chase Claypool is like the definition of like an X or a Z receiver that you're lining up outside the numbers and, you know, you throw the ball up to him and he makes, you know, big, you know, big plays that way in terms of, you know, making contested catches and things like that. But I, I think he's, I think he's just more of like a tight end. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. A couple more questions before we go. Um, this one's good for, for the time. Harrington HOF simply asks, what's your favorite drink? What do you look for in a liquor and the merits of such? Ugh, um, I'll be honest. Quarantine has just really decided to turn me into somebody who wonders what time it's acceptable to have a beverage. Um, I don't know. There, there were a couple times when I woke up and I, and I said to myself, you know what? I don't have anything to do today. And I, mm-hmm. I've been trying to tell myself that I do have things to do because I don't want to completely devolve into like a useless human being like Michael Lombardi. Um, <laughs> wow. Just kidding. He's just taking kidding. a beating. <laughs> uh, he is a scumbag. Anyways, um, <laughs> there was there were a couple mornings where I woke up and I had my coffee made and I looked at the top of my fridge and I saw some Irish cream and it was Bailey's. And I said, well, not going anywhere today. <laughs> carpe diem carpe diem with the uh, bailey's irish cream in the coffee are you do you do you enjoy that do you like Here's coffee i i don't particularly i i drink it when necessary but uh, i'm not a daily coffee drinker i'm also not much of a drinker at home in general um i'm more of a, as a social drinker as they put it um my my go-to drink in general is a whiskey sour and i i have not mm. become a, a good enough 
human being to learn how to make one on my own. Um, I'm sure it's not hard, but like I said, I don't drink a lot at home. So getting that, those supplies doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, if I'm going to drink at home, it's usually just a beer, a beer or two, but I'm going to be in, indulging a little more on Saturday night, this upcoming Saturday. What's going on this Saturday night? Well, I wasn't going to necessarily announce it on the podcast, but why the hell not? Let's get a bigger audience on our Twitch channel. Saturday is my birthday. I've decided I'm going to go off the rails and sing karaoke for as long as I can stand it or as long as you guys can stand it. Um, Hopefully bring in some guests so that I'm not just doing it alone, but I'm going to be drinking and singing a whole bunch because I really enjoy karaoke, even though I'm not that great of a singer and not that social of a person, but when I'm in the comfort of my own home and probably only about 10 people standing to watch it, I'm going to be completely comfortable and and having a great time. Since it's for your birthday, I might have to join. (laughs) You don't need to feel obliged, but who do I file my request to for songs? Oh, in the chat, in the chat. Yeah. Maybe I'll set up a channel points for, for requests. Hmm. Oh, I was now, saying, now be, but but what if what if I want to get on the stream and I want to do a little oh. singing? Where do I sign up? Like because I want to sing Miley Cyrus's "Party in the USA." You you have a free pass to join whenever you have <laughs> okay. a, a, a Pride of Detroit fast pass. Bam! <laughs> Check my credentials. All right, our last question that we're going to take comes from NRS Double O One. He asks, "Which NFL stadium is one you'd like to attend a Lions game at?" Um, my buddies and I really want to attend a game at US Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. First of all, NRS, absolutely go. It's fantastic. It's a great stadium. It's a great experience. Um, the fans are actually super nice. I happened to go in a game the Lions won, and they were still super nice. Um, so if you're a rambunctious crew or if you're one that's afraid of, like, maybe, you know, the the negative things you see happen to, to some road fans um, probably won't happen in Minnesota. So I say absolutely go for it in U.S. Bank. Um, but, Ryan, what where are you looking to go? Well, I actually got to check out the stadium when I was on my trip to the Pacific Northwest last summer. You've been there for a game, and I know that it was one of the more troubling games to get through in terms of how it ended. But uh, CenturyLink seems like the kind of place that I'd want to take in a football game because I've never been to a professional football game that's been outdoors. Really? Yeah. So uh, make that happen. Yeah, so I think I think the clink, I mean the the stadium looks really cool. The atmosphere yeah. seems like it would be off the charts, especially with the you know the team that they have right now. So um, Russell Wilson also checks my boxes. So <laughs> I think it, uh, I think yeah. I, I think it'd be a great great experience. I would definitely recommend that. It's a beautiful stadium. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to go on a Monday night game, so it was extra rowdy. I don't want to mention what happened during the game, but you can probably figure it out. Um, by process of elimination. Uh, but yeah, um, I think my answer is just simply Lambeau. Um, there, there's no stadium in the NFL like it. Um, it's a, it's a rival. I, I have to do it. I might do it next year. Um, simply because we're credentialed. Why wouldn't I, I, I have to do it once before I die. Uh, and considering the times, it could happen soon. So let's just go to Lambo. <laughs> okay. God, I can't end the, the podcast on that negative note, can I? <laughs> I think that's the new way you should sign off. I might die soon. So see you next week, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no.
Uh, all right, let me let me dig in, and and I have to get another question to get us out of th- that negativity. <laughs> all right, Greg Shelton on Twitter asks: Do we entertain a trade back to twelve or thirteen if we get two first round picks out of it? Yes, I think one of the more interesting scenarios is that Las Vegas trade scenario. Was that mm-hmm. what what picks are those again, Jeremy? Is that twelve and nineteen? I believe so. It's either 12 and 19 or 12 and 20. Yeah, that was one that uh, ESPN's Field Yates proposed, one of the four um, kind of interesting trade. Uh, I, I think the interesting thing about those trades is they they weren't, the line didn't receive as much in return as I think a lot of people are suspe- suspecting, especially Gil Brandt, who's eyeing all three of Miami's first, first round picks if the lines move out of three, which is insane. But hey, Good would on him. Awesome. For, for, <laughs> I mean, the, that would be the home runniest of home runs. Yeah, I think even if I think if the Lions were to get another one of Miami's first round picks, like if they were to get five yeah. at twenty six to move yeah. back two spots, like that would be a huge win. Absolutely. Yeah. But but okay, so we we've talked about it a little bit. If the Lions were to trade down to twelve pick up that 19. And I think uh, as, as chat's reminding me, they also got a third rounder from, from the Raiders in this hypothetical. Um, who, who are you targeting? Who are we getting wide receiver? I think, yeah. I think you're going to get, I think you're going to get one of those top three wide receivers. We talked about it in the thing of the second segment with Chris, a little bit about once you get to 11, you kind of get stuck in that no man's land of, well, I'm not getting one of the top tier talents, yeah. but I'm also not, I'm also not getting a player that's going to be of, positional need or value so much yeah. at that spot. So I think you just kind of like swing and you take the best player available approach and you get a guy like Jerry Judy, or you get a guy like CD lamb, or you get a guy like Henry Ruggs, the third, or you know what, maybe you end up taking a tackle because there's one that made its way out of the top 10, or I think one of the most popular names, and I think it's the name that you really like too, is Javon Kinlaw. Mm-hmm. So I think Kinlaw would be a, a big get at 12 as well. Or what even maybe maybe Derek Brown slips that far. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of one of those wild cards that like it, it's all about your philosophy. There, there's not a lot of questions to me about him as a talent. We know what he is. We know what he can and can't do. It's just a matter of value. Are there teams out there that value a run stuffer that's primarily a run stuffer, doesn't offer a ton in terms of pass rush in a top 10 situation? Um I would say the Lions probably are one of those teams, but towards the end of the first uh, end of the top 10 rather than the top. Um, And I I don't think there's necessarily a ton of teams that do view him as a top 10 prospect. So I think he's in play at at 13 at 12, Um, maybe even at 19 or 20. Um, I kind of have a lesser feeling about that. I think some people think he might be able to rush the passer than more than he can, but that that's a good guy to bring up, I think, because I think if there's if there's one guy that was slated for the top end of this draft, even top five at, at times, that could slip out of the top ten, I think it's probably Derek Brown. Yeah, I think I think getting him at twelve is palatable. Yeah, and I know it's the difference between nine picks, right, to go from like just from like three to tw- to twelve. Yeah, but there there's a lot there's a big difference between three no question and twelve. So no question. yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of palatable, this has been a more than palatable podcast. Thank you all for joining us. I tried. I tried. Um, thanks again to Chris Berg for joining us. Next week, we're going to have our big Pride of Detroit draft preview. Talk even more drafts. Hopefully get some extra 
uh, guests in here to maybe some voices that you haven't heard this off season to talk Alliance, talk expectations and to talk us through the NFL draft. It's coming guys. Less than two weeks away. Stick around. We'll see you star side. I stole it. It's mine now. Palatable of Detroit. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.